Hello and welcome to the Roz Usherov podcast. I'm Steve Prentice, longtime friend and colleague of Roz, who is, of course, a world-renowned expert in executive presence and personal branding. She has written books and delivers corporate workshops on personal presence. And of course, in these changing times, she is now leading the way in showing teams how to work and communicate under the new rules of social distancing. So hi, Roz. What do you have for us today? Steve, first of all, great to have you back with me. Lots of people are getting used to using virtual conferencing techniques like Zoom, which we talked about in our previous episodes. And these are good for getting people around a virtual table, but I don't think that's good enough to ensure a meeting is productive. Or if you're the leader of that meeting, that you're able to put into practice all of your leadership techniques. It's like walking into an empty boardroom with 10 cards with the names of the participants, but you're clueless of who they actually are. Do you mean like their personality types? Yes, there's lots of different personality types. But what I want to focus on right now is the dynamic between introverts and extroverts, because this is really fundamental to making meetings be as productive as they can be. Is this a more urgent situation now than it was in the pre-lockdown days? I mean, have you found that it's more difficult for these two groups, introverts and extroverts, to get along than it was when everyone was physically in the office? Absolutely. There's never been a more critical time for ensuring that the interaction between people is as effective as possible. This means you have to create an environment that maximizes each person's strength and their temperaments. For example, last week I had the opportunity to present at a virtual quarterly business review meeting. There are 15 people. It was so interesting to see the dynamics among the participants as I tried to encourage dialogue. I really believe that you've got to get people talking. Some had webcams on, some were hidden behind a photograph, (laughs) some were muted, some were not, some jumped into conversations, I asked questions. And others were totally backstage until I had to call them out. Now, that sounds to me like you're talking about establishing rapport. You've got a group of people. Again, they're just faces with different styles. So before you even start segmenting people into extroverts and introverts, it seems what you're telling me here is you have to know something about what rapport is. So let's start with that. If you have people around your virtual table, maybe they're team members, maybe they're potential customers, What actually is rapport? Where does it connect with people? Is it a logic thing or an emotional thing or some sort of tribal thing? And why is this really needed to get communication across? You know, Steve, I can only say all of the above. Right now, interpersonal relationships between customers, colleagues, and business partners are more important than at any other time in history. Daniel Coleman is the father of emotional intelligence. He says that we have a part of the brain called the social brain. And this means that it senses in yourself immediately what other people are feeling. That means rapport. And it could only happen when you pay full attention to the other person. You're going to have chemistry if both of you are paying attention. If you're distracted, it's never going to happen. Rapport, by the way, leads to one of the most important qualities to emulate today. And that's called empathy. You enrich rapport when you demonstrate empathy. It's important because it helps you to understand how others are feeling so you could respond appropriately. Imagine in the virtual world when you don't even have the luxury of seeing someone, being able just to get a sense of how they're feeling. And these are people who are good at reading others' emotions without judgment. 
So I really recommend building rapport, demonstrating empathy, and really coming from a good place in your heart where it's sincere. I'm thinking back to when I started delivering speeches on stage, and uh, all I ever thought was people have just come to hear my message, and I just stand up and speak, and it's up to them to grab the words and grab the knowledge according to their own particular way. And I completely agree with what you're saying in that you learn about this as you speak and as you lead people. So I'm starting to understand now the importance of rapport as an essential component of starting to connect with your audience. So is there more? What else should I know? Well, we know that rapport is essential for for building goodwill, trust, and relationships. But a mistake I often see as an executive coach is that we tend to paint everyone with the same brush. We have a, a preferred style of interacting, and this holds true with how we influence people. We're very comfortable with how we communicate and often make the assumption or misassumption that our style is appreciated by everyone in the meeting. Last week, I I called a client who's a master at rapport building. His name is Brian. I said, Brian, tell me, what's your secret sauce? Because you have such amazing relationships and they go on forever. And it became very clear to me why he was so successful with his clients. He really gets curious about their personalities and he's able to flex his style depending on if they were an introvert or an extrovert. He's sensitive to those in meetings who don't speak up and he really encourages them to take the initiative in a very gentle, non-aggressive style. This means now that he's identifying these two kinds of people, introverts and extroverts. What makes an introvert? What makes an extrovert? What are their attributes in their styles? My experience is that introverts and extroverts, they process thoughts very differently and they participate very differently, which impacts on team dynamics. For example, extroverts are more likely to interrupt or ask questions. Introverts typically take notes or less vocal So this means you may not know how your message is even resonating with them. One of the things that I've noticed in terms of introverts and extroverts when I'm delivering a workshop is I do as much teaching on the breaks as I do during the actual session time because the extroverts in the room tend to ask questions and tend to speak their mind as any of us would encourage them to do. But then when I want to take a break, coffee break or lunch break, that's when I find an individual will come up and ask me a question, a really good question. They didn't want to speak out in the room, but they had something really great to say. And I feel myself wanting to say to them, why didn't you bring this up before? And of course, I'm happy to teach them at that point, but I I really wish I could have had them speak up. And even if you do pause and say, has anyone got something to say? They won't. Steve, that's so interesting what you just said, because often my experience in workshops in person is the introverts tend to look disinterested. You you can't get a read on them. They don't show a lot of physical emotion or passion. I, I was always making the assumption early on that they were bored. They didn't enjoy it. And at the end, they would come over and say they got a lot of value and to thank me and could we follow up with a phone call. I said, to myself, this is not possible. It, it took me a while to really appreciate the fact that even if their participation is in a quiet mode, it doesn't mean that they're not appreciating the value of my ideas. Yes, yes, yes. I so agree with that. I've had numerous situations where there's been that one person at the far end of a table looking away and I'm thinking, oh, well, I've lost that person. They're not here. They're not with me. And yeah, that's the one who comes back to me with the great question or the great observation. So 
I think this is a really wonderful lesson in terms of the fact that we've been speaking about body language in the previous podcast as well. But you got to balance these two things out. You know, the body language of an introvert may be very misleading. So context is vital. So in your experience, Raz, is there a ratio? Can you expect a certain ratio of introverts to extroverts in any typical meeting? You know, I don't go into a room assessing how many uh, introverts or extroverts. What I suppose you could say the research says that introverts make up about one third to one half of the population. The big problem is most workplaces are set up exclusively with extroverts in mind. Now, that's interesting. That's something I haven't heard before. How then is a workplace set up and kind of biased towards extroverts? Hmm, a great question. Well, just look at the common attributes of both types of people. Simply put, extroverts get their energy by being with people. They gravitate towards groups, and there's always constant action. They tend to think out loud. They make decisions very quickly, sometimes rash, depending. They're energized by external stimuli, personal interactions, social gatherings, sharing ideas. They love being around people. That's where they get their energy. But in contrast, introverts regain their energy by being alone or in a quiet environment. Introverts really don't like a lot of noise or interruptions or big group settings. It's interesting as well, my office, I would say that I'm supposedly the extrovert and most of the people that work with me are introverts. Because they're so private, it's difficult to show a lot of animation or passion when they're with a large group of people. Or in a, a webcam meeting, you're going to see that they're not going to show a lot of facial expressions. Yes, it's a very good point, I think, because when you're having the meetings online, there's a little bit less of the three-dimensional body language and context to read from. You just have a face. So I think, once again, this is a very important thing for people to carry with them uh, in anticipating and understanding who they're staring at on a multi-person, multi-screen webcam meeting. Is this a, a black and white situation? Are people either complete introverts or complete extroverts? Or is there a mid-ground that people can find themselves in? Most people fall somewhere in the middle of the bell curve of introvert and extrovert. We call these people ambiverts. Let me explain a little bit about myself for a moment. I am an extrovert in the business world. I'll have a two-day workshop at at the end of the two days, we will more than likely get together, go out for a glass of wine. We may go shopping. We may end up at a restaurant for several hours. I am totally out there enjoying getting energy. But Steve, on a weekend, I'm an introvert. So it's really interesting. I don't really feel uh, the desire to be out there. Maybe it's because I'm on all week. I don't know. But over the years, I see that I've shifted to be absolutely a contented introvert. Going out with another couple gives me pleasure. But if I knew I was going to a party, I would start to get anxious. So depending on the situation, I think you can be an outgoing introvert. Or you can choose to be, as I like to say, a reserved extrovert. Again, ambiverts are the best descriptors. There's no right or wrong. And I'm curious to ask you, do you see yourself as an introvert or extrovert? I've known you for many years. I'm curious to know what you say. I would say that since the age of 15, I have been on stage performing as both a speaker and a musician. Uh, and I do so to this day. And I am the world's biggest introvert. And people ask me that and say, how can you possibly do that? How can you go up on stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people? But the fact is, 
a lot of performers are introverts. I crave solitude. I crave aloneness. This whole work at home lockdown thing for me is not a big problem because it's how I prefer to be. However, when we meet in person and when we uh, give presentations or at least work together in a workshop, I will be outgoing and extroverted, but it's an act. It's a genuine act. I'm not trying to, to mislead people, but I'm delivering what people are expecting. But my answer is no, total introvert from uh, from day one. I do think you made a, an important comment here. Although I don't see it as an act that's fake, I feel that you choose to show up where it makes the biggest difference. You are intentional. Sometimes people think, well, I feel like I'm being a fake and I'm doing this. I said, no, you're not being a fake. But at the moment, you're, you know, we're all performing artists, as I like to say. And when the curtain comes up and you're at work, you need to really come across in a manner in which people want to or could relate to you. Therefore, be more outgoing may be a little bit challenging, but it doesn't mean you're being a fake. You are with intention. So I just want for our listeners to not feel that, oh, God, this is going to be such hard work. It's just putting yourself in the mind of being a host, imagining it's your party, and you're allowing yourself to be heard and be more visible. So think about if you have a party at your home, you plan for it, you prepare for it, you are with intention to invite people into your world. So we have now both been frank about our personal selves. Now my question is, well, who would make a better leader in your opinion? Someone who is by nature introverted and perhaps can put on that extrovert act or someone who is by nature extroverted and maybe just enjoys the camaraderie of people around? Who would be the better leader? I've seen great leaders fall into both categories. It really depends on the makeup of the team. Sometimes introverted leaders have the advantage when the team members take greater initiative to introduce change or new strategies. It's often the introverted leader that has the advantage. They tend to be better listeners. They ask deeper questions. They don't jump to conclusions. Team leaders who are extroverted can be highly effective as well, uh, particularly when the members of their team are looking to follow them. They're looking for guidance, especially new teams. They're looking for you know direction. Extroverted leaders like to move fast. They appreciate people who follow them. But sometimes if they get pushback, Steve, or resistance, or they're challenged in their leadership, uh, they could be impatient. They may, you know, shoot down suggestions or minimize participation. In fact, Francesca Gino, a behavioral scientist from Harvard Business School, she discovered from her own research that extroverted leaders may drive higher performance when employees are passive, but lower performance when employees are proactive. Interesting. So there's the reflection component there in terms of bouncing back off the people who are in your team. Uh, one of the reasons why I think this is such an important concept to talk about here, it's not like it's just a fait accompli where you simply say, oh, well, I am an introvert or, oh, well, I'm an extrovert. Uh, always in the back of everybody's mind should be the notion of the future of work. I mean, uh, the, the notion of what people require to be effective in the future. And a lot of uh, futurists or a lot of people who are observing what the future of work is going to be all about are focusing a lot on soft skills, soft skills like empathy and emotional intelligence and awareness and critical thinking. So your personal awareness of yourself as an introvert slash extrovert and your capacity to deliver material in that context, this is a significant skill for your future career. Once this whole crisis passes, we'll be back to doing things in a much more natural way. And in that regard, 
being aware of these soft skills is going to be a key pillar of your career moving forward. So that's why this has enormous relevance. What can a leader do to help the introverts and extroverts around the table or on the screen? First of all, you've got to prepare in advance. The likelihood is you're going to have introverts, you're going to have extroverts, you're going to have ambiverts. Given that extroverts don't need a lot of time to prepare, it's very important to respect the fact that introverts don't like to show up and and not know what's going on. Sending out agendas in advance is so helpful. No surprises. You don't want an introvert to be surprised. Be specific about what you want them to prepare for if you want them to speak up. And this is relating to customers as well. If you know that you're going to be meeting with customers and you don't know all the players, if you can have the key contact come prepared with something, and if there's dead silence, you can always reach out to them. So that'll encourage their people to speak out. I also think if you're having a meeting, you're hosting it, set courtesy rules, letting people know how much time you hope everybody will, you know, how they could participate, uh, how long the meeting is going to be, what the topics are, but not to hog the, the stage, like making sure that people know that they have to allow others to comment. So the key is drawing out introverts as well as making them comfortable enough to contribute. In a virtual, sometimes introverts just want to write things in chat. I was uh, in a virtual meeting last week, and the facilitator was just masterful. When people were not really contributing a lot, he would throw out open-ended questions that were quite easy to reply to. But what he would do is he'd first call the person's name and say, George, I'm, I'm curious about what your thoughts are on this. And George would give his comment then what he would do is he would pick up about the three or four last words of the last sentence and give it back to him as a question. So he was able to pull them out. It was really wonderful to see how he was able to engage people and slowly get them to be more vocal, particularly for those quiet ones. Yeah, I really like that for two reasons. Being an introvert myself, the times that I have been a participant, a uh, student in a room with other people, if you are, as the leader, able to tell me to, to come prepared with a comment or that you're going to call on me with a particular question, what it gives me is permission to speak. And that's, to me, that's what struck me as you were saying these things, is you're giving me permission to speak. As an introvert, I don't feel I have that right when there are other people who want to speak instead. So that's a really great lever to moving me forward as an introverted participant to say, you have the permission to say this thing. To me, that emotional permission is what is going to allow me to blossom, if you'd like, as an introvert in a group. So it's not just simply about organization, but it's about social permission, at least from my observations anyway. What I've seen about introverts, they often make the assumption, Steve, that everyone already knows what they're going to say anyhow which I find so surprising. I call it the curse of knowledge. You cannot not know what you know, but introverts are more likely to assume people know what, what they're going to say. Therefore, they're not going to speak out. You're not going to hear them pushing their voice forward to reiterate what someone said. And that's a fault for introverts. It might look like they're not really engaged because they're not saying a lot. I always encourage introverts, if anything, just support what someone just said and, and show that you agree with them. And visually, if you're on the webcam, you know, nod to show that you're listening. Don't tune out. 
Now they don't tune out. It's not that they're tuning out, but sometimes that visual is not as engaging as a smile. A smile goes so far when you're being, you know, people look at you in a webcam. Yeah, and that was one of the key things you mentioned in the previous podcast as well as the importance of when when anyone is not speaking to nod and to demonstrate engagement by uh, continuing to look at that camera and to show the person speaking that they are indeed being heard. So this has revealed a lot of really interesting points, not only about being an introvert or an extrovert, but also the potential of both in some surprising areas. So it leads me to a question, which is there's a social cliche about the fact that extroverts are usually great in sales roles because they're out there shaking hands. Well, they're not shaking hands anymore, but they're out there meeting people and just doing their sales thing. So is that still correct or was it ever correct that extroverts are better suited for sales? roles? I think that social cliches can be very misleading, but there are you know, great lessons you could take about traditional job roles and how they apply to teams and meetings. What I want to just say here is whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, I believe that you could be successful as long as you A, love what you're doing, B, believe that you're making a difference and see, have the courage to step back and put yourself in the shoes of the person you're talking to. It's about allowing yourself to be flexible, adaptable, and and really try to understand that not everybody sees the world from your perspective. Asking curious questions, being able to get out of yourself. One of the things that I also want to recommend for extroverts, because they are fast and quick on their feet, is involve other people once they say something, seek out other people's perspectives. And I, I think that would help introverts and extroverts to bridge the gap and come closer together. But I can't really believe that one is more successful than the other. It's all about how you give of yourself to your customer. That's great to hear because I think there's a lot of people who would like to sell, whether they're selling their services as a small business or whether they're part of a large organization, to know that perhaps they can use their particular approach, their introverted or extroverted approach to active listening, to just demonstrating clear concern and interest and empathy with the person they're speaking to. Uh, so if you have introverts and extroverts in the room together and uh, they want to communicate, do you have any tips, for example, on how introverted people can communicate better with extroverts, given that they are kind of the ones who would not want to speak out? For sure. First of all, with introverts, I would say come prepared with openers. Extroverts love to talk. So the good thing is that introverts could ask any question as long as it's open-ended, and extroverts will take over. So that's the first thing. Introverts really need to explain to the extroverts what's in it for them. That's important. Uh, they have to probably speak a little faster because extroverts like things fast. They like to multitask. They get bored easily. And extroverts like to be recognized for what they're saying. So introverts, although they like to be very thoughtful and introspective, being quicker on their feet would help extroverts to connect with them. On the other side, with extroverts, try to let introverts have a moment to think. <laughs> Don't interrupt their silence and give a deeper explanation because introverts need to really understand what you're saying before they could reply. And be very specific with an introvert of what you need to know. Don't make it too general a conversation or a question because they're not going to know where to start. 
it's just, I guess, putting yourself in each other's shoes and knowing that the best relationships are when introverts and extroverts come together because there's beauty in both. Obviously, we want to keep this conversation and discussion going. So in between our podcasts, Roz, where can people find you? All my information is available at asheroff.com, Instagram, also in LinkedIn. Listeners can email me at contactus at asheroff.com. If you're interested in customized virtual training, executive presence, communication, leadership, remote team building, please reach out to Kathy with a C at Kathy at Asheroff.com, who will be absolutely delighted to set up a call. Fantastic. So let's close this up. This has been the Roz Asheroff podcast with Roz, of course, and me, Steve Prentice. If you have any comments or suggestions regarding this episode, please do let us know by dropping a line on the website or LinkedIn or Instagram. And if you like what you hear, please do consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. So, Roz, it's over to you to close up. Until next time, I'm Roz Asheroff. Thank you so much for listening and stay safe.